Is, is it recording? Yep. Okay, cool. Uh, you're going to introduce, you're going to say, hey, welcome to being honest with our fucking whatever it's called. <laughs> uh, go for it. <sighs> okay. Hello, and welcome to Being Honest with My Ex. Uh, my ex is here. His name is Peter C. Hayward. My ex is G- here? What are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, wait on, wait on, I'll okay. start again. Stop, stop at Peter C. Hayward, that's my cue. Okay, I'll stop at that, okay. Uh, well, we said extra things last time. I said ex- I say extra things, so if I'm going second, you don't have to say extra things. Okay. Hello, and welcome to Being Honest with My Ex. My ex is here, his name is Peter C. Hayward. My ex is here, her name is SJ, better known as Honor Eastley. How's your week been, SJ? Oh, uh, good, yeah, good. That's your fucking segue. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Can we just keep... You just say that again. Okay. How's your week been, SJ? Okay. So, I have a decision to make. <laughs> start start with good so it sounds remotely believable. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How's your week been, SJ? It's been good. It's been good. I've been really healthy. Um, and I've actually... This week, actually, I just finished all of my therapy classes for the year, um, which is a big deal. What do you want? Do you want to talk about what that is? Do you want to talk about what that is? Yeah, I'm fine talking about what that is. Okay, so you're a a murderer, is that right? <coughs> no. Um, no, I I've been doing. I mean, I've been in the mental health care system for about. 12 years. How old are you? Like 14? 26. 26. Yeah, 26. You're not laughing at any of my jokes tonight. This this podcast is just kind of crosses as like, Peter is a dick to SJ. <laughs> While she describes her mental health problems. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's I think much. I think that's a, that's a true sign of my love because I still love you to bits. And the truest way I can express love is by joking about emotionally traumatic things. <laughs> it's funny. I think it's of- beautiful. One of my, um, a, a person who I previously dated, uh, used to say that my There's a hum- word for those. <laughs> One of my other exes used to say that my humor was just me saying tragic things and then laughing. I could see that, yeah. So some people were like, how's your day today? I'd be like, oh, I broke up with my therapist today. <laughs> I would think that was hilarious. But- I think this is why we got along, because I, I just say awful things and then you laugh at them. It works really well. <laughs> okay, so you've been in the mental health system for 12 years? Yeah, and I've kind of danced in and out where I can find services when I get really sick. Um, it's been really difficult, um, but last year, around the time that we broke up actually, um, I got a different diagnosis and I got introduced to the idea of skills-based therapy. That was really new to me. What is that? So skills-based therapy is basically psychotherapy, but where they give you skills. So rather than being like, okay, let's just talk about it. Maybe could you think about talking about it like this? You know, which is a lot of CBT, which is about... Okay, we've jumped into jargon here. First of all... Okay, okay, sorry. When I hear psychotherapy, I I always think of electroshock therapy. They're different things. They are very different things. No, no, no. They're really different things. psychotherapy is when a psycho comes and gives you therapy? No... Also, psycho is an awful word. Talk-based therapy. So most people know talk-based therapy, which is where you go see a therapist or a psychologist and you talk about stuff. 
about what's happening in your life and you work through things. Lie down on the couch kind of stuff. Yeah, and they try and help you think about things in different ways or find the solutions yourself. Um, it's really super helpful. I've done a lot of talk-based therapy, but um, I found it, now that I've done skills-based therapy, which I'll explain what that is in a second, um, I find that talk-based therapy can be really disempowering right? because it doesn't give you any of the skills to help you solve your own problems. It means that you're perpetually reliant on those therapy sessions. Yeah. So skills-based therapy is exactly what you would think. It's more of a, a, particularly in a group environment, it's a learning skills to deal with situations, thought patterns, behavioral patterns um, to improve your quality of life. Yeah. Uh, so I'm trying to think of a, an example. Um, one of my favorite skills is... This is a really easy one to understand, actually, is called modulating intensity, <laughs> which sounds that sounds that sounds really complicated. It sounds very sci fi. It's basically about when you want to ask for something or say no to something, you want to assess what you're asking for or saying no to uh, and the factors that are part of that. And uh, like if if you if you're asking something, it's like. Is this person legally required to do this? Is this person capable of doing this? Is this person in an authority role over me? Um, and there's t like 10 different factors. And that helps you to work out the strength with which you can ask for that thing. Does that make sense? Oh, this is, this is the cat thing, isn't it? Yeah. So I did a poster about it in terms of cats asking for food because that's a fun way of trying to remember this task. And we do activities like making posters uh, in the class, which is a little bit docky. Is it helpful? Yeah, I mean, I try to think of creative ways to make the posters fun. Yeah. But so, I find the best way of remembering the skills is just to use them. So so this, this questioning skill, what does that help you with? So that is in a module called interpersonal effectiveness. And basically that's just about how you deal with people. But what, what do those questions specifically do? So those questions specifically um, help you to be, they, they actually, there's like this rating from one to 10 of how you should ask or say no to something. So it might be like, ask for X, resist no, or like demand X, don't take no. Does that make sense? Right. So like when I said, hey, do you want to do a podcast? So then I can be like, I'm not legally required to do this. <laughs> um, this person doesn't have authority over me. This person is capable of doing a podcast with someone else. Right. So, so it's about accepting that you don't have an obligation to do something and feeling better saying no as a result. Yeah. Okay. So it's really about being like working out what your place is and what you can respectfully ask for and say no to and at what levels. It's really, I found that to be a really, really useful one. And it's not, I mean, I don't go through that in every part of my life, but I find it really helpful, particularly in situations where I feel uncomfortable saying no or asking for something, yep. looking back at those factors and being like, oh, it makes a lot of sense why I'm having trouble with that because either I'm not in a position of authority or other things like that. There's also other things. We learn a lot of stuff, but there's also another part of those skills about factors that get in the way of being able to use those skills effectively. So themes like uncomfortable emotions fear, guilt, stop you from being able to ask for what you want or say no to things. Right. Not having the proper skills, 
Oh man, what are the other ones? Should have made a cat poster. Yeah, I should have made a cat poster. Anyway, so basically that's just a little bit of an idea of what skills-based therapy is. And the idea of the program that I did, which is um, dialectical behavior therapy, which is just a bunch of jumbo to most people, is basically they're trying to give you all the skills of a therapist so you can help yourself. All right. So you can like have a little therapist in your pocket and it's called your brain. Yeah, exactly. I was like, holy fuck, that's amazing. Yes, please. Can I have some of that? (laughs) That is going to save me so much money. Well, it's really interesting when you think about it from a business perspective, because I think the mental health industry is good. But at the moment, a lot of it is private, which means that it's run like a business. So if you are a psychiatrist, if you're a psychologist or whatever, it's not within your best interests if you're in the private system to get people better enough to not need to see you anymore. But I I think people who do it go in with the intention of doing good, not making money. I, I... (sighs) I may be more idealistic than you. Okay, I do not think that that's the case for everyone. I think that that's mostly the case for people who are psychologists and therapists because they don't earn that much. So it doesn't make sense for them to go into it for the money. But people who are psychiatrists, for instance, psychiatrists can earn up to $400 an hour. SJ. What? Can I just ask a question? Yes. Have you become a Scientologist? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. No, no, no. Scientologists are really against psychiatry. No, I think think also (laughs) psychiatrists are great, but I've had some really awful stories about psychiatrists. Yeah. And... Did John Travolta tell you these stories? No. Did Tom Cruise tell you? No. Was it Will Smith? Shut up. <laughs> By the way, Will Smith's not a, not a Scientologist. It was Amanda Palmer. Oh, she's not a Scientologist. <laughs> no, but Neil Gaiman is associated with the church. Whatever. Neil, Neil Gaiman's know. father was a Scientologist and he didn't want to denounce it while his father was alive. But I think since his father died, he's come out and been like, yeah, I'm not pro-Scientology. Yeah. Okay. Uh, also, Will Smith is not a Scientologist, but I know that he dabbled in it for a while. Uh, I just don't want to like get an, a defamation suit saying, you said Will Smith was a Scientologist. Also, I don't want to lie about people. That's also a concern. That's also a thing. So... So, you're a Scientologist. No, I'm not a Scientologist. But, I don't know, I just think it's interesting. Psychiatry is so expensive. Yeah. And most people who are psychiatrists specialize in medication. So, the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist is... A psychiatrist is someone who has trained to be a, a, a MD, a medical doctor, and then has specialized in psychiatry. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they've done med school. They've done their placement. They are a doctor. Then they decide to to specialize in psychiatry. So those people come from a very different background than someone who does psychology. Right. They've done really, really different education. Where At the point where when they first start their studies, they're like, I want to be a doctor. And then they decide which field they want to specialize in. So does that make sense? The take-home message here is if you have a broken arm and a psychiatrist appointment, don't reschedule. He can definitely take care of that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That's not how it happens. That seems to be what you're saying. No, but it means that I can go to my psychiatrist and also be like, so there's this thing about the pill and like, can you tell me a bit about that? Uh, and they'll know about drug interactions and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And broken bones. So, and a psychologist does not have a medical degree, but it takes a really long time to become a psychologist as well. So just anyone off the streets, that's what you're saying? No. <laughs> I think it takes like... I was talking to my clinical psychologist. She said it took her nine years. Oh, geez. You must really want to be a psychologist. It's very competitive. and But to then like to be a therapist or a counsellor takes much less time. Yeah. 
So anyway, what I mean is people who aren't psychiatrists go in and they're the kind of people who want their focus is on helping people. I mean, that's going to be the same for doctors to some extent. But I just think that probably different people are attracted to those different roles. <laughs> and holy fuck, psychiatrists get they cost a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and and so sometimes I think when you're like, yeah, I'm handing over $350 every two weeks and when most of it is you're getting prescribed drugs and then the drugs don't take effect for like four to six weeks. Yeah. Why am I coming here this much? So you're saying it's a scam. No, I don't think it's a scam. <laughs> I just think you can get in that position where you're like, because it's so much money, you're like, am I am I coming here as much as, like, do I need to come here this much? Yeah. It's an expensive system. It complicates the relationship, which I think is really, really negative. Yeah, absolutely. What happens now that your therapy is over? I just finished the whole year-long program that I've been doing, which involved going to a group therapy class one day a week and then also going to see someone privately for an hour a week. Right. So it ended up being like a day and a half, um, which is a lot. Yeah. Of hours and um, work. But I've now finished the program and I have a couple of different options in terms of what I should do, which is why I wanted to ask you about this because I was interested in what your opinion would be because you know me well. I just want to point out, uh, I do know you well. And that's why, like, after I made some off color jokes at the start, I didn't, like, stop and check and uh, apologize or anything oh. like that because I know you don't give a shit what I say. Oh yeah, and also like mental health stuff. I feel like I've just gotten to this point where I feel so solid about my place with that stuff that I'm like, okay. I, I, I think I'm just concerned that people are going to listen to this who don't know me, and so when I'm like, oh, you must be a murderer, I'm not making that joke. I'm making the joke of how dumb that joke is. Like, and you're concerned because I'm not laughing. Because <laughs> when, you, when you make a joke like that, there's two ways you can make it. You can be like, I hate black people, ha, ha, ha. It's funny because everyone knows how much I hate black people. And it can be like, I hate black people, ha, ha, ha. That's funny because people who know me know that I don't give a shit about race. Like, I'm very pro the minority group. And so the joke is that I'm acting out of character. And people who don't know me listening to this being like, they have no way of knowing which joke I'm making. I'm very pro mental health. I saw a therapist for a while in 2014. Uh... I have a lot of friends and loved ones who have gone through the mental health system, including, uh, what's her name? SJ, whatever you call yourself nowadays. My name. Uh, and so when I make that joke, I'm making that joke. Oh God, it just doesn't translate. Okay. I'm digging a hole. Not, not getting any better here. <laughs> save me, SJ, save me. <laughs> what I can say is that I can understand your fear because listening back to the podcast we've already done, I've had that same fear. About yourself. That I'm not like properly explaining everything that I'm saying and putting the caveats that would make me feel comfortable. I'm just hoping people listening to this go under the assumption I'm a good person and then read stuff in that light. And if you choose not to do that, uh, that's a fair call. I can't stop you, but I think I'm a good person. <laughs> part of it, you, like you're a good person. I know you don't mean those things. And part of it is also that we kind of like improvise and talk shit all the time. And sometimes you say stuff and it doesn't work. Yeah. You know, sometimes you tell a joke and it doesn't land. <laughs> it's part of it. Yeah. Okay, cool. You made me feel better about my awful, awful comments. <laughs> Your awful, awful jokes. So what's the plan? What are the options first? So there's a couple of different options. First option would be just like don't go to any therapy or anything. Does that seem like a good option? I I don't think that that's not that's not no. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that. Okay. 
Second option is see my the psychologist that I was seeing um, as part of this program, pri- like individually. I could continue seeing her. Yep. Um, privately, it would cost a lot more money to me. Let's call this option two. And that's it to see her and and my psychiatrist. Yep. Option three would be see her. Wait, wait, let's not commit to calling this option three yet. Let's hear what it is and then decide upon a name. Okay. I'm going to call her Cindy because that's her name. See Cindy privately, talk-based therapy, see my psychiatrist, Joe, um, <laughs> and go and do the graduate program. Oh, that sounds exciting. Yeah. So there's a graduate program. Wow. People spend so long on their mental health, include myself included. I spent like the past two years of my life, basically. Full-timing mental health. So that, that other option is to do the graduate program. Once you've done the initial program, if you've, re- if you've progressed enough, that means you're stable and, and know the skills and are able to apply them in your life, then you, you're offered a place in the graduate program. Have you been offered a place? Yes. Okay, we're going to call that option four. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. There is no option three. Okay. It's been stricken from the records. <laughs> okay, so option four is that. And I have to tell them tomorrow. Oh, shit. If I'm going to do it. Yeah. So by the time this podcast airs, you'll have decided like 10 days ago. <laughs> yeah, I will I will know what I'm going to do. The next option? That's the, the only other option would be to to choose a different psychologist to see because if I continue seeing the psychologist that I've already seen through this program I have to she's in Altona (laughs) I don't know where that is uh Williamstown oh wow that's ages away okay so it's like 45 minutes drive from where I live at least you get to listen to some podcasts podcasts on the drive well to be honest the place where I've done this program is in Richmond that takes me like 45 minutes to get there so I've been traveling. I've spent three hours traveling to therapy every week this year. Wow, so many podcasts. Yeah, I listen to a lot of podcasts. That sounds that sounds amazing. <laughs> ah, it's been okay. <laughs> okay, so option one is no therapy. Yeah. Option two is continue seeing Cindy and Joe. Yeah. And then option four is continue seeing Cindy or Joe, and then do the graduate program. No, no, no. Cindy, Joe, graduate program. So there's no option for just seeing Cindy or just seeing Joe. Is that not a thing? No, you'd want to see them together. Okay, so how how like here's here's the big question. How are you feeling? Like was it helpful? So, I mean, the the program that I did, the 12-month program that I did was very very helpful. Do you want to um, talk about your diagnosis? And... Like do you do you want to mention what it was? So You can say no. So, uh I mean, diag- I I don't really have so much of a problem with talking about diagnosis, just more that uh I don't Conversations about di- diagnosis, I think, are actually need to be really nuanced. Right. And so what I mean by that is like, so I've been diagnosed with a bunch of different stuff and the more helpful clinicians, like professions, professionals that I've worked with have taken an approach that doesn't center around diagnosis. Does that make sense? Right. Yep. Yep. Because once you start getting, well, for me anyway, and I think this happens for a lot of people, but once you, if you start getting really attached to a diagnosis, that can be really unhelpful. And that's what I found initially when I got a new diagnosis. So I've been diagnosed with, from, from a very young age with depression and anxiety and like chronic suicidal ideation. And then last year I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder with traits of bipolar. Yep. But all of that is still pretty hazy, like... 
I actually haven't really talked so much about the diagnosis side of things and what that would come down to very much in the last year. Right. Okay. Almost 18 months. Like, yeah. it's not a conversation that I have very often. Because it's not helpful. Yeah, because it's not helpful. Okay, that's fine. I did not know that. This podcast is genuinely just Peter learns stuff. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the thing that's kind of interesting about that is that, like, the program that I did is specifically tailored mostly for people who have a, a diagnosis of BPD, which is borderline personality disorder. And what's funny is that bipolar disorder has the same has the same acronym. It does. But only one of them is called BPD. Um, but that borderline personality disorder within the mental health care system has a really, really, really bad reputation. So much so that when I was an inpatient, the nurse, the first nurse that I met, told me not to tell anyone what my diagnosis was because I would be treated poorly by the staff. Right. Not by the other inpatients, but by the staff. You know what my stance has always been on that, though? What? I don't give a damn about a bad reputation. <laughs> I don't know the next line of the song. Go on. <laughs> um, that was a terrible joke. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize on your behalf. I like, um, I like the fact that the only one you've called out as terrible is the only one you've laughed at. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like I had to laugh after you said that you'd been making bad jokes. Don't, don't pity me. <laughs> Jesus. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was a, like uncomfortable emotional response. No. I will. This is being honest with my ex, not pretending to laugh at my ex's awful jokes but then i immediately told you <laughs> that's true you were then honest <laughs> with your ex it's true um so, so how do you feel you feeling better so i feel a lot better um my mental health is much better than i even imagined it could possibly be oh that's good like ever i didn't consider that how well i am was a possibility that's beautiful and so even though i was i was in hospital about like a bit over a year ago, this year has been the best year for my mental health since I can ever remember. Yeah. Which is amazing and is why I'm such, I'm, I mean, I'm a really big fan of skills-based therapy yep. and why I'm such a big proponent for people getting more access to um, mental health services because at the moment you just spend so much fucking time getting pushed around to different services and basically it just makes you feel like there's no way that your life can be better. Yeah. And that you're always like, it's always going to be like that because treating mental health issues is a very resource heavy endeavor. And the system basically tells you by its quotas and lack of funding that you aren't fixable. And then you just believe that. So people are just failed time and time again, myself included. Uh, a person uh, earlier this year who I know suicided. Uh, she had a s similar diagnosis to me and um, she had just been, she had just been failed time and time again by the mental health care system. And that's what happens. People, people get worse and it really, it, you know. And then people come along and people, make really bad die. jokes about it. Yeah. Don't make a joke. Anyway, <laughs> people, you know, what happens is that people die Yeah. Uh, because the system tells them that they, they, it can't get better. So what that means is it can get better, but I understand why people think that it can't because that's what I, that's how I used to feel. Yeah. Um, so I'm a lot better. 
uh, around probably around two months ago, I had a really, really dodgy patch where I was not very well, uh, which was difficult. But what was really refreshing was that I knew that that was going to happen at some point. Yeah. And so it meant that when it did, I was like, oh yeah, okay, this is, this is that thing that's happening and it sucks. And it meant that it wasn't as bad because if you know what's happening it's never as bad if you understand it yeah and because i was like oh this is this is going to end because previously what i did in terms of therapies is i would i would get to a point and i was like i'm cured i found the answer it's so good it's never going to be bad again yeah and then oh, inevitably that wasn't true <laughs> yeah and and because it wasn't true that you know it was even more devastating yeah and harder to deal with and get over and understanding that it's not always going to be good and that it's an ongoing process uh has been really helpful for me so that makes me feel a bit more confident but the thing is that going from what is a lot of hours a week in a program to a lot less is quite daunting and it's really you know it's pretty terrifying and it's also going to so if I do the graduate program and see my psychiatrist and see my psychologist, it's going to cost me, depending on how often I see them, it could cost me in the end as much as three times as much as my healthcare has costed this year. Yeah. To get the same amount of care, it would cost like three times as much. So, Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So my, my, my thoughts? Yeah. I would... I don't understand why you wouldn't do the graduate program. Just because this year I've been a bit... I, I've i really liked the program, but I've also been like, fuck, this is a whole day out. Like, it's a whole day and a half out of my week. Yeah, but it's 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 an investment in your mental health. Like, I I mean, you're, you're, you're young <laughs> and you've, you've had mental health issues, like you said, for 12 years. And if this is the kind of thing that can be really helpful. Like, so worst case scenario, and I'm not saying this is a realistic scenario, but worst case scenario is the earth explodes no worst case scenario is you say you know i go and then i quit oh no i was gonna say if, if you don't do it and you end up backsliding quite a lot um and i don't i don't really think that's super realistic but i think potentially doing the graduate program would give you a bunch of skills that would be helpful i oh, know i keep seeing it as an investment and so you know if you if you have the chance to do that extra study that relates to your field and will be helpful uh with your field in this case being mental health goodness in self yeah i think one thing oh i'm just getting emotional thinking about this but i think one thing that i find frustrating is that yes it's a great investment it's a phenomenal investment that is frustrating no that's not the frustrating bit (laughs) it's a phenomenal investment and at the same time it's not anything that you can get credit for except for from yourself i mean that makes sense and and i know that that sounds really unappreciative but but okay so i have an identical twin sister who is like just if you picture her she looks like me and just picture her covered in awards (laughs) and nothing else she's just covered in medals and trophies amy's gonna listen to this and be like did peter just make a joke about me being naked yes amy yes i did (laughs) And I love my sister. She's amazing and she absolutely deserves every award that she's gotten. Except for best twin. (laughs) I get that one. Um, But it's, you know, it does get frustrating sometimes, particularly I'm in a unique situation in that I have an identical twin sister. And so we've grown up together and to see how much 
my mental health or mental ill health has held me back. In particular, the last two years, I've, you know, have been a bit of a write-off because I've been focusing so much. I've still achieved a lot, but, uh, and I'm really proud of what I have achieved, but I've had to focus a, a lot of my energy on my mental health. And in the meantime, like my sister's over in Finland, she's scored herself the most amazing job. She's becoming an adult and it's really frustrating to feel really held back and like that's always held me back and that I don't get any like I don't get any normal world credit for all of the fucking effort that I've put into this thing I just get to not have an awful life (laughs) I understand what you're saying but like think about who you're talking to here I have never done any higher education like (laughs) I, I give no shits about having a certificate or... I mean, I think I've got a Cert 4 in something or something. I think I've got a Cert 4 in business and a Cert 3 in customer service, but I... No, but you also you also make your entire living from a creative endeav- endeavor and you have complete mobility yep. through that. So, you know, you know, different strokes for different folks. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wasn't trying to compare it. I'm just saying, like, you're talking to a guy who gives no shit about real-world credits... Um, I see what you're saying though about the I, I get to live creatively. You do have real world credits. You have you're the number one. What is it? Number one incest mind control erotica author in the English speaking world. In the world. English language, <laughs> yes, yes, that is correct. I know. Look, in in your shoes, I would do it. I I hear what you're saying, but I just feel like how long's the how long's the honors course? Goes for a year. The graduate course, not the honors course. It's basically honors. Yeah, it's, it's, it's honors in um in therapy. Uh. I, th- I think put a year in now and be confident at the end of it, like that you're done. Well, I mean, with mental health, you're never done, but I do yeah. like the sentiment. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, though. No, I I know what you're saying, but I, I mean, the alternative is is to not do it, and then on the off chance something, uh, you know, I'm uh, first of all, I, I appreciate you asking. Like, I know you wanted to talk to me about this because I know you and I love you and I have thoughts. I'm a particularly bad person to talk about this because I live in a world of like labels and and check marks and things are complete. And so in my mind, I'm like, <laughs> do this course, and then you've completed mental health. Uh, you've, com- you've completed <laughs> mental illness. How it works? No, it's not, and that's why I'm a really bad person to talk to about it. But at the same time, like, I think. <laughs> I think, okay, if, if you don't do it, so if we take option two, which is just see the therapist and see, was it Joe and Cindy, and don't do the, the honors course, which is what it's definitely called. What, I mean, yeah, for me, the worst case scenario is there is that, is that you, you're not doing badly in a year and you wish you'd done it. Oh, oh, but I can, I, it goes in trimesters and I could come in at any of those points. Oh, that is vital information. <laughs> also, I would be going into the night class instead of the day one. Ooh, that sounds fun. Yeah, so there's that. Okay, well, with that brand new information that I did, did not have before, um, I would try a year without doing it. And then if at the end of the year, you're like, you know what, I would find it helpful to do honours in mental illness, then I would consider doing it then. But I would give it a year without doing it. Because if you can jump in any trimester, then fuck, why would you not see how life is without it? Because it's scary. The ramping down of, of mental health assistance? Yeah, it's, it's I don't really know any scary. of the terms, so if I stumble over them, that's me trying not to be offensive. <laughs> of therapy. Therapy is generally the word, just I, therapy. I, I feel like honours in mental illness is not a commonly used expression. <laughs> it is, if you're studying it at, like, a university. Right, like real-world credits. <laughs> yeah, real-world credits. So, if uh, are, are, you, are you scared of a ramping down of therapy? Yeah, 
Totally. Why? Because what happens if I get worse? Then you can join in next trimester. Yeah, but it's so like that sounds I mean, really. First of all, we're not going with option one where there's no no support yeah. at all. No, no, no. I understand that, but getting worse is not as simple as it's not as simple as like oh you just get worse and then you just solve the problem. It's it's like really potentially really awful. Can you run me through the worst case scenario? The worst case realistic scenario? So what happened previously was just that I was just having a really rough time and was really just like a lot of regular suicidal ideation, which was not a thing that had happened for about hmm, six months. Yeah. And was that was really new to me. So to have it, you know, to feel like you're backsliding in that way is really terrifying but were you aware of it happening and you were you able to seek help when it did or did it totally did you feel totally cut off no i mean i was still in therapy so i just kept going to therapy and it took about a month six weeks to kind of get out of it but it was not a good time i'm not trying to diminish the experience but that's what i'm saying like if, if that's the worst case scenario you're still going to therapy and so you can still get out of it i realize it's not yeah. that cut and dry but you understand what it's, I'm saying? It's, I mean, yeah, it's not that cut and dry. It's just... Obviously, you'd rather not have suicidal thoughts. Like, if, <laughs> if there's two doors, you're going to choose the one that leads to not suicidal thoughts. Yeah. So the, the, it, it's, it's a, it's a cost-reward question at that point. Like, the worst, it's a risk-reward question. If, if, you, if you choose not to do the honours program, there is a risk. I mean, even if you choose to do the honours program, there's a risk. I've got to stop calling it the honours program. What's it called? Yeah. The, the graduate program. Um, yeah. I remember that because Dustin Hoffman was in it. So if you choose to do the graduate program, there is still a risk that you'll have suicidal ideations. Yeah. Yeah. So if you choose not to do it, that risk, it increases, but not a huge amount. It doesn't go from like 5% to 80%. I don't know what the, I don't know what the increase is really. No. Yeah. But it's, it's going to be like 5% to 8%, something like that. Uh, trust me. I know. I know, I know maths. Nothing, not even a sympathy laugh that time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you told me to be honest with you. That's fair. So my, my point is that I think that not doing the graduate course doesn't lead to a situation where you are 10 times more likely to have suicidal ideations. It's really hard to calculate. I don't think, I mean, yeah, probably not. Okay. So, it's probably more to do with like outside factors. Right. So let's go with the probably not. It's more to do with outside factors. So the outside factors are not going to change whether you do this course or not. Uh, well, not at this. I mean, if a butterfly flaps its wings in China, etc., but... My thought, and I'm totally prepared to be wrong about everything, is that if you choose not to do the graduate course, I don't think your chance of the worst case scenario increases by a bunch. I think it probably increases slightly, but not by a bunch. Whereas the reward of not doing the graduate course is that you suddenly have a bunch more hours in the day that you can use to do things that make you feel satisfied and content. And that's probably helpful as well. Yeah. If at the end of the trimester or at the end of two trimesters, you're like, look, I really wish I'd done that course. It's still an option. You can still do that course. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it too, which is like, oh, I could still do that thing. Yeah, it's, there's no door closing here. It's just a case of how do you want to spend your hours over the next three months or however long a trimester is. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is also my health insurance pays for these programs and they have a two-month waiting period. So I would basically be paying for them anyway, even if I didn't do the program in case I wanted to do the program in the future. So that, that's a sunk cost. You don't have to worry about that. Uh, that. That's the thing that's happening either way. Yeah. So the question is, how do you want to spend your hours over the next trimester? 
Yeah, I don't I don't want to go to group therapy. I'm so right. sick of it. So there we go. So <laughs> to my mind, the answer is pretty clear. Keep on seeing Cindy and Joe. Don't do the graduate course. If you feel like you've made a huge mistake, then you can totally then join up for the graduate course. Yeah. Uh, if you're like, holy crap, these extra hours in the day is everything I needed in the world, then you'll be very happy to do the graduate course. Because I think if you do it and you can't stand it and drop out after two weeks, you'll, you'll feel like a failure and you'll feel like you made the wrong decision. Yeah, I don't think I feel like a failure, but yeah, okay, I'll probably feel a little bit like a failure. <laughs> I do know you pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I is think... It, is that helpful? Yeah, I think that's what I'm going to do. That's a, That makes the most amount of sense. I particularly like the sunk cost bit. You know how much I love decision making and economics. It's true. Sunken cost fallacies are what you're all about. <laughs> so at the end of the podcast, we have a little uh, a little voice recording. If you'd like to do one, actually, send one in. Uh, we'll put the script in the podcast notes for this one. Uh, but this is a this is an audio of my mum doing our podcast outro. Hey, mum, can I have you a second? Hi. What do you want? Uh, I'm recording an outro for a podcast. Could I get you to read this? Thanks for listening to Being Honest with My Ex. If you've enjoyed the podcast, subscribe to us on iTunes, leave a review and tell your friends. Peter is my favourite son. (laughs) Thanks, Mum. That's that's officially part of the outro script now. So uh, if you want to record one and send it in, you have to include that. Uh, You did a really good job. When you get uh, your parents to record some SJ, get them to record that as well. That's part of the script. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, fuck it. I'm going to be the favourite daughter. Yeah, sure, sure. You wish. You have a twin. We all know. (laughs) She's Um, covered in accolades. Covered in accolades and nothing else. Uh, This has been Being Honest with My Ex. I'm Peter C. Hayward. I'm Anna Eastley. And take care of yourselves and each other. Please.